and catch the Pirates all season long on Connect FM, your only local news radio, 96.7 and 99.7 FM, and AM 1420, WCED Dubois. Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Ron Hextall is out as general manager of the Penguins. What will the next GM need to do to clean up the mess? The Steelers continue to make headlines, this time trading for wide receiver Allen Robinson. What does he bring to the table? We'll ask our guest Brian Batko of the Post-Gazette for his thoughts. A prominent NFL insider believes the Steelers could move up to take the most talented player in the draft. But should they? We'll discuss. I'm Dave Glass. And I'm Bob Anderson. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go. Under review on Connect FM, your only local news radio. And we're back. As you could hear, Dave Herzing is out of the lineup tonight, but uh, we hope to have him back soon. Uh, in the meantime, we got a lot to talk about, but Dave, did you bring your broom? I see the Pirates won again. I'll tell you what, it, it, you know, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's just Colorado. Well, okay, Colorado's terrible. That's true. But they're always good at home. Coors Field is not an easy place to play. It's kind of been a house of horrors for Pittsburgh over the last decade or so. And you know, it used to be Pittsburgh was that team that other teams got well against. So I take it as a very, very positive sign that they went out there and took care of business. And they didn't just take care of business. They absolutely clobbered the ball, especially in game one and game three. They put up another 14 today. Um, They're exciting to watch. Yeah, I forget how many runs they've scored in the last three games in Colorado. 33. Okay, so that's like the biggest total in like Eight years, I think they were saying, since the last time they made the playoffs. Yeah, and not only did they do that, but the pitching, I think they give up exactly three runs every game. If you hold Colorado, and again, Colorado is down. They're not very good, but normally at home, they can put up some runs. Um, You know, we'll see how it goes, but a quick stat for you before we switch topics. There's only three teams in Major League Baseball with more wins than Pittsburgh right now, and we're far enough into the season that it's still early, but it's been a long time since they've looked this good out of the box. Yeah, you mentioned starting pitching, too. I heard that this is the ninth quality start in a row, which means the pitcher, starting pitcher went six innings, gave up three or less runs. And that that's such a key. And, I, you know, that's a little bit old school. But if you don't have to tax that bullpen, you don't need your starters to go out there and throw nine complete, you know, nine shutout innings anymore. But... You know, six and two or three runs in our bullpen, that'll get it done. And what I love about them, they're in every game and they're playing hard. They're really the battle in Bucks this year. And I know they played the Cardinals hard over the weekend. I really was hoping they could get out that third win there on Sunday, but they were right in that game till the end. Hey, you split in, in uh, St. Louis and then sweep. You know, you took care of business. You come home, you got another good chance. I mean, the schedule has been a little soft, but again, they took advantage of it. Unlike Pittsburgh Penguins, who if they'd have just beaten the teams they were supposed to beat, they'd have been they'd be playing right now. But we'll get to that a little bit later. All right, we're going to talk a little Steelers now. Um, they made some news yesterday. They agreed to a trade with the Rams, and at first I was afraid. I was petrified. Uh, what did the team give up? I thought, oh man, did they give up like a fourth rounder for Allen Robinson or a third rounder or whatever? And then I heard the uh, the parameters of the deal, and I'm like, oh, man, this sounds pretty good. They moved down 17 spots, and they're only picking up $5 million of the $15 million that he's owed this next year. 
So to me, it's a low-risk gamble. What do you think about it? Well, uh, and to clarify, I believe those 17 spots are in the seventh round. They are, yes. Right. Thank so, you. So, I mean, you know, 17 spots in the first two or three rounds is like, eh, yeah, but, yeah. Se- you know, that seventh round picks, eh, I can't get too excited about that. You know, $5 million, I can't get too excited about that. He hasn't really been good the last two years. He is 30 this this fall. So I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant, hesitant to say that there's a huge amount of upside, but... I will say that in 2020, he had a huge year. I mean, 102 catches, and uh, in the year before that, he had 98. So which Rylan Robinson are you getting? And, you know, last year he played for the Rams. The Rams were terrible. They had all kinds of injury problems. How much of it was that? How much of it was him? I guess we're going to find out, but I don't really have a huge problem with the move. No, and and the good thing is he brings some veteran leadership to the group. You know, he's older. Um, I think that, you know, last year I, I – I mean, I had him on my fantasy football team. That didn't work out for you. <laughs> no. And uh, I watched those games at the beginning of the season, and I would watch Allen Robinson, and they never threw his direction. It's like uh, Matthew Stafford only had eyes for Cooper Cup. So I do think, you know, what, what, why, why quibble over, over what they gave up? Plus, I think this goes to show you that maybe the Steelers either don't want to use a pick on the wide receiver position in this draft or they're not enamored with the wide receivers because nobody evaluates wide receivers better than the Steelers do. Yeah, I mean, I, I fully expected them to use a third or fourth rounder on one. You're right. Maybe they've decided that they can uh, kind of fly with what they've got. I will say, you know, he was an outstanding receiver at Penn State for whatever that's worth. I, I get a little bit annoyed you know oh Pickett he's a pit guy and now Penn State and everybody's talking about um you know Joey Porter Jr. maybe being the first round pick just because we're familiar with these guys doesn't make them the best pick I think it's a nice coincidence that Allen Robinson's a Penn State guy and hey if he comes in and gets catches 80 balls and eight touchdowns wonderful I, you know that's great but it, it is it's a very low risk move and uh they that's good Well, the draft is eight days away, and the past couple of years, the Steelers have really kind of telegraphed where they're going to go in that draft. Maybe not the player, but we knew the position. So it was Najee Harris in the running back position. We knew it was going to be a running back, I felt, that year. Last year, we probably felt quarterback. I didn't think Pickett would be there when they picked, but sure enough, it was was him. Um, This year, I don't really get a feel for one specific position or a player. What are you thinking? Is there one specific group that you are looking at? I still think that that they ought to get a corner. I mean, in the modern NFL, if you can't defend the pass, you really have problems. But um, yeah, to to your point, they could go that direction. They could go for an edge rusher. They could go for a left tackle. And I would say, yeah, that makes sense if they did any of that. I mean, the only things that would... I mean, obviously they're not going to take a quarterback, but if they do something like take a wide receiver or even, a, you know, heaven forbid another running back, I would say that they're just crazy. But anything else, they this isn't a team that's complete. They do have some needs. Well, each team is allotted 30 pre-draft visits, and history shows there's a strong correlation between the position group and, and their choice, or at least the names that they bring in. So I just wanted to break down quickly who those visitors or what those visitors were by position. Two quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to go early on that. Maybe a third string, you know, yeah, third somebody's quarterback. around in the fourth round. Who's, you yeah. know, or a seventh rounder. Maybe yeah, you just need somebody for the practice squad. Four wide receivers, one tight end, three offensive tackles, five inside offensive linemen. And I think that was early in the draft process. They brought them in five defensive linemen three edge 
two or five cornerbacks and two safeties. So there's no surprise here. I don't think we got uh, D line cornerback and offensive tackle wide receiver was up there too. But one of those names that wasn't on the list was Jalen Carter, the stud defenseman from Georgia. Many considered him to be the consensus best player in the draft coming into the pre-draft process. But since then, his, his stock has done nothing but take a hit. Uh, rumors last week said that the Steelers were looking to trade up, up to number nine with the Bears. Maybe the Bears want that number 32 pick back. And uh, a lot of the rumors were, okay, they're going up to get an offensive tackle, maybe Paris Johnson or, or Broderick Jones. Now, according to Peter King, one of the most you know notorious writers in all of football, the target may be Jalen Carter, the, the lineman on the defensive side. So, Dave, would you support moving up for Johnson or Carter in this draft? And according to the value chart, it would take the Steelers 17, 32, and, or sorry, 17th pick, 32nd pick, and maybe a fourth rounder. No, well, the short answer is no, and I, I we'll get into Jalen Carter specifically here in a minute. But I'm just not a big fan of moving up in the in the first round like that. And I mean, because I've said this before, I consider draft picks to be lottery picks. Nobody knows for sure, or else some you know, you, there's no team that ever wins the draft year after year. For a while, people were saying it was Belichick, but obviously mm -hmm. that hasn't been the case lately. So. There's always going to be hits and misses, and I'm a big believer in you just want as many of those lottery tickets in your hand as you can get. That's why I liked some of the other moves they made, like the Claypool trade. I don't want to give that pick up. That's a that's a premium pick right there. So I wouldn't do it for almost anybody. The only exception to that is if you need a stud quarterback and you are sure you've got your guy, go ahead and take the shot. But we're not in that position. And now let's talk about Jalen Carter. I mean, this isn't you know, the all-American boy who, who has no warts about him. The only reason that he's falling in the draft is because he's got significant off-field issues. Even he's admitted, I'm just looking here online, that he thinks that's going to affect his status. Um, you know, I see headlines uh, from the New York Post, Carter's top-tier draft status surrounded by warning signs, off-field issues. Um, you know, CBS Sports, draft buyer beware prospects. Jalen Carter is number one. So, I, I, look, I'm not usually a huge one for, you know, things that aren't on the field, but I also don't want them to bring somebody in the locker room who's going to be disruptive. And and I and I'm really worried about anytime you've got somebody who's coming in with going to have that pedigree and be a top 10 pick. Are you going to treat him different? Is the standard going to be different? Because one of Mike Tomlin's favorite sayings is the standard is the standard. And that's one of the things I love about him is it seems like he always treats everybody on the team basically the same. This could upend that. And I don't know. I mean, I just wouldn't do it. And I really wouldn't do it for somebody with these kind of warning signs. Well, if there's any coach that can probably handle a guy like him, it's probably Mike Tomlin. Um, some other names that slid though, Warren Sapp was projected to be a top five pick in 1995. He fell 12 spots because of marijuana usage. Randy Moss was thought to be a top five pick. He dropped to 21st overall because of off-field issues. Well, let's talk about Randy Moss. All right, Randy Moss was one of the most talented wide receivers, maybe the most talented in NFL history. I mean, Jerry Rice is standing over there saying hello. I, I hear you, Jerry, but Randy Moss, when he was on his game, was just about unstoppable. 
but you never knew which Randy Moss you were going to get. And he certainly had his fair share of problems. I mean, what what elite football player can you think that that wore out his welcome team after team after team like Randy Moss? That's exactly what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about marijuana stuff, and I think the league has sort of gotten a little bit smarter about how serious to take that kind of thing. But that's not what we're talking about with Jalen Carter. Right. Well, when we return, we're going to ask our guest, Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, to weigh in on this discussion as well. Stay with us as we continue under review on Connect FM. Smith Timbering and Consultants are experts at tree management and are looking for an energetic, reliable individual to join their team. They currently have an excellent opportunity for a full-time forestry technician to buy, mark, and cruise standing timber. They offer competitive pay with bonus incentives, health incentives, health insurance, and company vehicle. Associate's degree or higher in forestry required. Please email your resume or questions to Wes at smithtimbering.com. That's Wes at smithtimbering.com. Finally, a weekly local sports show that you've always wanted. Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. Get the latest on your favorite local sports teams here. Brought to you by our title sponsor. Next Year Bank is a proud supporter of all area sports in Du Bois. Bank anywhere, anytime, all on your terms with Next Year Bank's online and mobile banking solutions. Helping local families and businesses achieve their financial goals for over a century. Liberty Boulevard, Du Bois, and at nextyearbank.com. Your community bank. Why is Daddy kicking the lawnmower? He thinks that will help the dad battery. His foot's gonna hurt. <laughs> Got a sore foot and a dead battery? Get to Napa Auto Parts right now and get a lawn and garden battery for just $24.99. We've also got marine deep cycle batteries on sale for $89.95 to get that boater camper ready for your fishing and camping trips. My dad always has happy feet when he goes to Napa. Napa Auto Parts. Dubois, Brockway, Brookville, and Climber. Carlson Auto Repair is a locally family-owned and operated business that serves you, their customer, like you're one of the family. Carlson Auto Repair genuinely cares about the folks who come to see them for mechanical and auto body work. They don't do anything that isn't needed, and they do the repairs at an affordable rate. If you need auto repair inspections or collision work, get it done right and reasonably at Carlson Auto Repair, where they know you and they know your vehicle. 100 East Park Avenue, Dubois. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. And we're back. We are pleased to be joined by Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. We've got... uh... You know, just a beautiful night here in Pittsburgh, and it's uh, a lot of kids playing outside in our cul-de-sac right now. Oh, it's nice to have the springtime weather back again after a couple cold days, but uh, the Steelers are keeping things hot here. They made a another uh, move here in the offseason, kind of caught us by surprise. Allen Robinson coming in. He's coming off a pretty disappointing season in L.A., and the Rams are paying $10 million to get rid of him. So, Brian, do you think he can still play, and what kind of role do you foresee for Robinson? Yeah, that's, that's hard to say. I mean, you know, I, I can think back on some, some veteran receivers in the past two or three years who, you know, same questions were asked, and, and I don't know that the Steelers really looked their way when you think of people like uh, Julio Jones and uh, guys like that. But this is one where, yeah, I mean, pretty much takes nothing to, to go out and get him. Uh, he's still 29. He'll be 30 soon, but at least right now you can say, 
you didn't sign a 30-year-old receiver who was banged up last year. So uh, I don't know if he, if he can really still run, guys. I don't know how much juice is, is left in his legs, and you know, you're, you're naturally going to be concerned uh, coming off a foot injury last year. Obviously, everything seems to be good with his physical, but just from uh, you know, what I've seen on his Rams uh, highlights from last season, even if he's not going to be real helpful between the 20s, uh, I think he can still go get it in the end zone. He's still a big guy. He still has those ball skills and the physicality that made him a star at Penn State. So maybe that's the best-case scenario for him is he's a red zone and you know touchdown maker for an offense who kind of needs a player like that uh, outside of George Pickett. Yeah, and it's low risk, so why not, right? So uh, with the first round of the draft coming up here in eight days, I was wondering if you could shed a little bit of light on maybe what's going on in the Steelers' front office right now. I know that they usually make their own board. Can you tell us a little bit about how that process works? Yeah, I think this year, you know, even more than ever, um, it's it's hard to, to pin that down because Kevin Colbert is gone. So a lot of the tendencies and trends that we've been able to track over the last two decades and, you know, the last 15, 16 years with Mike Tomlin as head coach, um, I, I don't know that you can still uh, count on those. But, you know, Omar Khan learned under Kevin Colbert, so I would think they're going to still value uh, a lot of the same things. And to me, you, you usually see – with that first-round pick for them, a, a guy who's got the pedigree, um, you know, I think back to Najee Harris a couple years ago who was five-star recruit coming out of high school. I, I think back to a Devin Bush who uh, has been a big-time athlete his entire life. So I, I think they certainly love the measurables and, and the athleticism and the physical traits. And, you know, that's generally the kind of guys who go high anyway, but I think even for the Steelers more so, uh, they're looking for, for a big swing uh, on that player. And, they can afford to do that this year with the way they've filled a lot of their holes. So uh, I'll also be curious to see, you know, what what could change, what kind of influence does Andy Whitehall have now as the assistant GM. We, we know that the Eagles, when he was there, did a, a really good job replenishing every season in the trenches, offensive and defensive line. So uh, I think they would they'd certainly love to get one of those guys up front and failing that. Uh, maybe take advantage of some really, really impressive specimens at cornerback in this draft class. Well, you talk about the offensive and defensive line, and one thing I've been saying for a few weeks is Cam Hayward is great. I love the guy, but he he is, you know, kind of long in the tooth for an NFL player, and I, I think they do need to prioritize that interior defensive line. And we've seen some national reports uh, connecting him to possibly trading up for uh, Jalen Carter. Obviously, there's some red flags there. I mean, it, he, that would be a a pretty interesting and somewhat controversial move if they do that. What What's your take on that, and are you hearing anything around the team about that? I'm not, but it, you're right. It would be a, a very controversial move, not just here in Pittsburgh. That would make waves uh, throughout the, the national uh, landscape of the NFL, no doubt about it. Who, whoever picks Jalen Carter is going to have the spotlight on them and on him accordingly. For me, I mean, just going by the tape, I haven't seen a better player in this draft. I mean, he's somebody that you watch Georgia play, and, I mean, he just pops off the screen. I mean, pardon the cliche, but hard not to notice what he does up there. I just, all that being said, though, I just don't like a lot of the whispers and, you know, some of the rumor mills surrounding him. And, and obviously, the you know, for me, the, the off-the-field concerns, you know, they are what they are. They're, they're factual. Um, you know, those are real red flags surrounding the guy but I also just don't like that beyond that you see the pro day workout that he had last month in in Athens and he just didn't seem 
uh, he didn't seem in great shape, and it, it really makes me wonder now that there's kind of a two-pronged um, you know, issue with, with the, the on-the-field, maybe even in addition to, uh, to clearly the, the character concerns uh, that, that surround him. So I wouldn't do that if I were the Steelers. I don't think they will do that when you look back at last time they made a big move to trade up, and it, it really backfired on them with Devin Bush. Granted, much different situations, but uh, I just think that you got to be a little bit gun-shy, and the next time you do that, you're not going to do it for somebody uh, who has some of those, uh, some of that murkiness around him. I totally agree. We talked about this before you came on, and, and my opinion is I would almost never trade up because I consider draft picks to be kind of like lottery picks. Nobody's got this thing nailed, so you want as many of those lottery picks in your hand as you can get, and certainly I wouldn't waste, you know, I don't want to say waste. I would not expend those lottery tickets on somebody with as many question marks as Carter. Having said that, if they were to do that, and that's very hypothetical, do you think that Mike Tomlin is one of the coaches that could potentially, you know, be able to diffuse some of the controversy around him? I mean, he's got a lot of pedigree. Um, you know, he's well respected. What, what do you think about that? I think he could, in the sense that we know how he handles the distractions. He doesn't generally let them become more than it is. I mean, he's very adept at uh, shooting down people like me in the press conferences and. Uh, you know, keeping keeping everybody uh, in tight closing ranks, I think, is the Tomlinism that I'm searching for here. So um, I, I think from that sense, yes, it would be a good organization. And I know that uh, Peter King put that out there earlier this week, that uh, he thinks the Steelers would be the right organization in that sense for Carter. And I think that probably just speaks to Tomlin's renowned reputation around the league of, of being somebody who has so much cachet and is so well-respected as a leader. But We've also seen examples of if, if you're a guy who just doesn't have his head on straight, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it really matters where you are. Um, you know, you could be in the, the most militant franchise in the league with the Patriots, or you could be in a uh, kind of free-flowing, uh, fun-loving place like Seattle, but it, at a certain point it falls on the man himself to, uh, to keep himself on the straight and narrow. So uh, that is still just a – I don't view it, bottom line, as Tomlin can take anybody – and, and get him right. I don't think you can say that really for any coach, and, and that's actually not even really fair to, to him uh, to, to put that on him. I agree with you. We're joined by Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, um, I know they're, you know the Steelers are in a unique position this year. They have the first pick of the second round in the, um, you know acquiring that in the Claypool trade. So I imagine that after the first night, all the teams are going to reset their boards and look and say, holy mackerel, look, there's so-and-so still available, or you know, we really need to get this guy. Do you think the Steelers are going to get some calls for that first pick in the second round? Yeah, we must be on the same wavelength because there was a, uh, a conference call yesterday with Mark Dominic, who's the former uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers GM, um, and I asked him about that. You know, I said, when you have that, that first pick of day two, and, you know, you've got essentially 24 hours in between the last pick and, and then the round two starting up again. What is that like? Is that a uniquely advantageous spot to be in? And he said it absolutely is. He said you're going to get a lot of calls uh, when teams are, are taking a step back, uh, sleeping on it, getting back together in a more in-depth discussion with their, uh, their executives and their scouts and saying, all right, who's gone? And not only who's gone, but what position groups would had runs go? which position groups haven't been picked over, and what do we think the teams around us are, are going to do and going to want to want. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that pick just became more and more valuable with every Bears loss, and uh, obviously the, 
you know, very different scenario here this year where you're even a, a pick earlier in the order because of the, the forfeited pick by Miami. So, uh, yeah, they should be able to get two really good players, I would think, in that top 32. And if, if you want to, you know, you, you can play it like a, uh, like a poker hand. You can just kind of keep seeing – uh, what's going on, and, and keep it close to the vest. And you could bluff on teams. You could trade up, trade down. Omar Khan, he's got a lot of decisions to make in his first draft as the GM. I'm going to switch gears a little bit on you here, but stay in the division. Um, Lamar Jackson, what, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, is are they going to figure this out, or is he going to end up be traded? Uh, what, what, do you, what do you see that happening? Yeah, you know, I tend to think they're going to figure it out. To me, the Odell Beckham signing was the – foremost, uh, you know, reading the tea leaves move of that whole uh, saga. But there, there's also a part of me, guys, that thinks, is he just going to pull the Le'Veon Bell and just not show up? I mean, he seems pretty entrenched in, in his side of things. And maybe, maybe a lot of it is a put-on. Maybe he, um, you know, knows that the leverage he does have, as little as it is, can come through sort of his own mouthpiece on social media or if he does do any interviews about this um you know I, I think in a lot of ways both sides are sort of posturing because that's kind of what you have to do in a difficult negotiation to reach the the compromise that makes nobody happy but uh you know nobody too disappointed so um you know i, I think ultimately yeah i hope they'll probably end up playing this season for the ravens and both sides will explain it as we had to do the uh you know the dance back and forth to, to get here but now we're gonna now we're gonna go for it and, and we think we can but like I said, I do still think there is a possibility uh, that Lamar could just could leave him on the hook and go do his own thing for a year and hope it works out for him. Well, real quick, do you think that the Jalen Hurts contract helps or hurts his chances? To me, that's almost a model. You've got, you know, another young quarterback, uh, you know, M- MVP type season he's coming off of, and they got that deal done pretty quickly in Philly. So, do you think that has any effect in Baltimore? Yeah, I think it could help him. Um, you know, again, he really doesn't have much leverage because of the way that contracts are structured and the franchise tag and, and all the uh, machinations that the, the Ravens have uh, at their disposal to, to keep him under team control. But at least it is another deal and a young player at, at his position that he can point to and a guy with a fairly similar skill set, too, in some ways and say, look what he got from, from Philly so, and, and look what, you know, what he's done for them. Um, so I think it, it could be a uh, you know a feather in, in Lamar's cap, but it's just such a it's such a convoluted situation with him not having an agent, and um, you know it's it's obviously tricky because he's got the MVP on the resume, but in recent years uh, injuries have have plagued him. So um, you know I think the Ravens are one of the savviest organizations out there, and yet they don't even really seem uh, to have a, a real firm grasp or handle on how this is going to play out. Brian, we only have about 30 seconds. It's been great having you on. I just wanted to see who do you think the Steelers are going to take and who do you want them to take? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in an ideal world, you take one of the top two tackles, which to me are uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia and um, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. But I don't think they're going to get that ideal world. I, I think they might end up going the other side of the ball, sort of like we talked about in getting the next successor to Cam Hayward. And I think that could be Brian Brzee from Clemson as long as the medicals check out because he's got a, a long injury history that could give you some pause. All right, Brian, well, we appreciate having you on. We hope to hit you up again sometime. Thanks so much. Yep, anytime, gentlemen. We'll see you. Thank you. Dunlop Lawn Garden, your local Cub Cadet dealer, is ready for spring. 
And you should be too with Cub Cadet. Zero turns, lawn tractors, and walk-behind lawnmowers from Cub Cadet are engineered with premium features, leaving you with a well-manicured lawn. Head to your local Cub Cadet dealer, Dunlap Lawn and Garden, on the Mendenhall Road in Brookville, or Oklahoma Salem Road in Dubois. Exceptional offers, expert advice, and superior service. Keeping your eye on the ball is the key to playing sports well. Let Wise Eyes coach you into sturdy shatter and contact-resistant eyewear. Whether your child plays sports, you love extreme sports, or you work in hazardous construction zones, you need sharp vision while protecting your eyes. Dr. Lineski is a leader in clinical eye care and takes the time to explain your eye test results. Proud to support local sports programs, Wise Eyes has served our community for over 20 years. Commons Drive to Boys and at MyWiseEyes.com. I'm Dan Kennard. Welcome to the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat for this week, sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. We're going to get to the District 9 High School Baseball and Softball Scoreboard and recap for the past week. But first, the District 9 Sports World lost a coaching legend and an honorable man last week. Longtime union coach and athletic director, as well as community fixture in Reimersburg, Don Stemrick passed away. Here's Jeffersonian Democrat sports editor Rich Rhodes with a special tribute. Growing up in the streets of the Hill District in Pittsburgh in his youthful days, Don Stemrick's life changed abruptly when his older brother Victor was killed by an automobile hitting him in the streets while he was playing. Immediately, his father moved the family to a better neighborhood in Wilkinsburg, and his new house was beside a park and ball fields. It was like I died and went to heaven, Stemmerich said when I visited with the longtime Union Knights coach in December of 2014. My mother always knew where to find me. I was always in the ball fields playing. Stemmerich wanted to be a teacher when he got older, and he enrolled at Clarence State Teachers College, and not scoring a a single point in high school basketball he never played, the six-foot-seven-inch Stemmerich graduated from Clarion in 53 with over 1,000 career points. He served a stint in the military and then landed in Reimersburg after his commitment was over in 1955. There, he forged quite a legacy, serving the school district as a math teacher, athletic director, and, yes, a basketball coach, along with many other community duties outside the school. Stemmerich retired with 638 wins after the 92-93 season, then the all-time leader in wins in District 9. Since then, he's been passed by Elk County Catholics Aaron Straub and Keystone's Greg Heath. Two of Stemmerich's teams reached the state finals in 1967 and 74. But Stemmerich's involvement in the community, where he taught Sunday school for 50 years, served as Reimersburg mayor for 16 years, and was active in summer duties, interacting with youth of all ages, all of that helping build a strong community in the Reimersburg area, it was just as much of an impact as anything he did in basketball. Stemmerich died last Wednesday at age 91. He was laid to rest Monday at the Reimersburg Cemetery. Thank you, Rich. Now let's uh, get to a recap of District 9 High School baseball and softball from the past week. We're going to back it up to last Wednesday, April the 12th. In baseball action, Kirtwinsville knocked off Cranberry 14-9. Dubois had a 15-14 lead over Brookville in a game that got suspended in the sixth inning due to a downed power line. And in softball on Wednesday, April 12th, Dubois had a 20-5 win over Brookville in four innings. The Lady Beavers with 18 hits in that game. Haley Reed went four for four. 
St. Mary's blanked Clearfield 17 to nothing in three innings. 12 hits for the Lady Dutch, Shannon Kayser. Uh, she pitched a no-hitter for St. Mary's. Phillipsburg Osceola slipped past Punxsutawney 6-5. to Moving to Thursday, April 13th action in baseball, Dubois Central Catholic, a 5-3 winner over Elk County Catholic. It was Kane beating Brockway 6-2. Penns Valley slipping past Clearfield 7-6. Mount Union a 15-1 winner over Kerwinsville in six innings. And the Curve Classic was happening. Holidaysburg dealt Punxsutawney their first loss of the season, 11-8. Punxsutawney did come back to beat Greater Latrobe, 11 to 2. In softball games on April 13th, Dubois Central Catholic, an 18-4 winner over Elk County Catholic in five innings. Dubois Central with 18 hits in that one, eight of them came in the fifth inning alone. Kane defeated Brockway 12-4, Mount Union a 5-3 winner over Kerwinsville. Now moving to Friday, April 14th, baseball games that day, North Clarion a 6-3 winner over Brookville. St. Mary's edging Dubois 5-4 for St. Mary's. Lucas Bauer went two for four with two RBIs, two runs, and two stolen bases. He also got the win on the mound. Softball games on April 14th had St. Mary's shutting out Brookville 16-0 in three innings and Penns Valley over Clearfield 4-1. Moving to Saturday, April 15th games in baseball, Elk County Catholic downed Clarion 10-4. In softball, Punxsutawney a 3-2 winner over Ligonier Valley. This past Monday, April 17th, in baseball, Phillipsburg Osceola doubled up Clearfield 10-5. Kerwinsville was a 16-6 winner in five innings over Purchase Line. Punxsutawney got a five-inning win, 12-2, over Carn City. Punxsutawney, with that win, moved to 8-1 and one on the season. In softball action on Monday, Dubois Central Catholic got a 16-0 win over Carn City in three innings. Riley Kolbotsky for Dubois Central Catholic, pitched a no-hitter with six strikeouts. Marion Center shut out Punxsutawney 6-0. Marion Center improving to 7-1 with that win. Kerwinsville beat Purchase Line 17-1 in three innings. And on Tuesday, it was Dubois Central Catholic, a 10-8 baseball win over Brookville. In softball games, Clearfield upended Phillipsburg Osceola 13-3 in five innings. And on the schedule today for District 9 High School Baseball, Punxsutawney is set to play at Dubois while Bradford will be at St. Mary's. And in softball games today, Dubois set to play at Punxsutawney. Cranberry is hosting Dubois Central Catholic and it's Brookville at Port Allegheny. And that'll wrap it up. The Connect FM local youth sports beat sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. Now let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Well, uh, Dave Herzing isn't here tonight, but our get lost finally worked. You mentioned Ron Hextall get lost. Well, he did get lost last week. He and Brian Burke and Chris Pryor were all let go Friday, less than, what, 12, about 12 hours after the Penguins' last game. Uh, But undoing the damage is going to take some time. That's another story. And before we get into some of the candidates that maybe could replace him, 
let's say you're being interviewed for that position, Dave, and they ask you for your immediate plan. What kind of response are you giving to the team? Well, I, I, I hate to answer a question with a question, but <laughs> I would want to know what, what ownership's mission is. I mean, are you going to let me do an actual rebuild or are you going to force me to try to wring every last drop out of the Crosby era? You know, because, and look, I was down on Hextall. I thought he made a lot of really silly moves, but he was put in a terrible spot where he's told, hey, you need to rebuild. Oh, by the way, try to go win a cup. You can't do both. And and I look at what Washington did. They, they took a hard look at where they were at and they sold assets. And St. Louis did the same thing and Nashville did the same thing. These are teams that were right around Pittsburgh in the standings. And so I would ask ownership, it's like, you tell me what you want. What's the mission here? Is this a short-term mission? Or is this a long-term mission? Because it, it, you can't go in the middle of the road, you get squished. Well, what should the mission be? For- I think the mission has to be long-term. I think if they had done a better job over the last four or five or six years acquiring young talent, maybe you could try an on-the-fly rebuild with Sid. But the truth is there is just nothing down there. I mean, this season, if there was ever a season where they were desperate for some young legs to come in there, like they did in 16 with Rust and with Sherry and uh, with Gensel, remember, that's really, I think, why they won those cups is because they had that that really good injection of youth and Matt Murray. And, and they didn't have it. I mean, every time they went to the minors to find something this year, it, it, it didn't work. Not, none of the guys they brought up were really any, any help. Um, and that led them to do desperate, silly things like the Granlin trade. And so I would, I would tell ownership, look, I, we, maybe by the, before Sid retires, we can, we can have another competitive team. But I need two years to just really kind of bottom out, tra- trade off assets and, and, and a hot take. We need to have a discussion about Jake Gensel. I actually have him down here. I think next year needs to be a cleanup year. They need to clean up the aisle. Then maybe they can rebuild or, you know, retool for the next year. But the salary cap this year was $83.5 million. Now, that'll probably go up next year a little bit. I understand only $1 million, though. Is that, they because they that? haven't gotten out of the escrow position that they were in from before. They're close. Bettman said the year after it's probably going to go up more, but I think they're only getting a million next year. All right. Well, that's not going to leave a lot of wiggle room here because they have $61.5 million already allotted to 14 players next year. And they have so many bad contracts to shed. You know, Granlin for two more years of $5 million. Carter another year at 3.125. Petrie two more years at 6.25. I throw DeSmith in there with his deal. I mean, it's only a year, but it's $1.8 million for a backup. Ruta has two more years at 2.75. And they have to make decisions on players like Zucker and Gensel, who's only got one year left at his contract. He's 29 years old. Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't resign Zucker because he's on the wrong side. I wouldn't resign anybody on the wrong side of thirty. I yep. just wouldn't do it. And so Zucker, he was great, and and thank you for everything he did this year. And I wish him all the best. But I would not resign him. And because, he's an injury plagued player. Yeah, we we got a big year out of him because he didn't miss that many. But I would let him go. I would I would certainly test the market for what it, what a Gensel trade will get you because I just don't think he's the kind of player who's going to age well. I mean, they they should have done this with Brian Rust, and they didn't, and that cost them. And then they should have done this with Malkin. And, I, and if Jay were here, I know he'd be giving me a hard time. I'm, I was the Malkin guy. I loved him. I got his jersey when he was a, a, a rookie. But five on five, he's not good anymore. He just isn't. And he really, that second line got caved in a lot. Wherever he was in the lineup, it wasn't that great. So there's a lot of things that have to happen there. And I totally agree with you. They have to clean up. And the whole reason they have to clean up is 
Hextall consistently was trading younger, talented players for older players that he still thought were talented but ended up not being. You look around the playoffs right now, you could build a really good team mm-hmm. from the pit, from the ex-Pittsburgh Penguins um, that most of whom he traded away. Would you be looking at buyouts from people like Granlin or Petrie? Granlin, I think you almost have to look at that because I just... I, I haven't found one person yet, not one single person who said, oh, yeah, he's got upside. I can sort of see what they were doing. Petrie, at least, he had that pedigree. You know, he was a true number one defenseman before he got hurt last year. I still didn't like the deal, but I understand what he was trying to do. Granlin just stru- struck me as the most desperate trade of a desperate man. I can't believe they gave up a second round pick for that. Um, so the friend of the show, Matt Vensel, wrote an article talking about the the search for the next GM. And some of the things that he wrote kind of encouraged me. Uh, he said that uh, Fenway Sports Group is going to cast a wide net. It'll take a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. And they're going to think outside the box. So they're going to interview some candidates that maybe you wouldn't think they would interview. Maybe at least one female, someone from outside of hockey altogether. And, and they're going to focus on analytics. Um, that sounds good to me. Oh, it's music to my ears. And, and, and I do want to say something about the female candidate. Look, let, let's address the elephant in the room. There are no female players because, you know, the men and, and women are generally built differently and, and, and men have, you know, stronger bodies. That's just the way it is. That's why there's a men's league and a women's league. There is absolutely no reason women can't run sports. And if you don't at least, you know, treat that as truth and, um, worked on on uh, grooming them for these positions, hiring them, letting them work their way up the ladder. You're you're gonna put yourself behind other franchises that are eventually gonna figure this out. It's happening in baseball, and it's starting to happen in hockey. And there are some candidates, and, and there's no reason not to do that. I, I think it's great. Yeah, there are some candidates that I wrote down here that I wanted to get your opinion on. Maybe if there's anybody that stands out to you here. So a couple of these names are gonna sound familiar. Jason Botterill, he's a former uh, Penn's assistant GM. He worked with the Sabres, and for a while there, it looked like that was a flop. Now it's not looking so bad. He traded Ryan O'Reilly and got Tage Thompson back. That looks pretty good right now. Uh, Matthew Darsh from the uh, Lightning assistant GM. Cal Dubas from the Leafs. That seems to be the hot name running around circles right now, especially if the Leafs get bounced in the first round. Well, we'll talk about the Leafs here in a minute. Yep. Uh, Cami Granado. She could be that female candidate. She's uh, an assistant GM with the Kraken. Eric Tulski, assistant GM for the Hurricanes, an analytics guy. And I thought I'd throw out another name, Ray Shiro, uh, the ex-Penguins GM. He knows the city, and he knows Sidney Crosby very well. Well, I'm a big believer in you don't run the same gag twice. Um, I, would, I would not even consider Shiro. Uh, and and I really would think twice about Botterill for same, the same kind of reasons. I think he would just be too tempted to take another run at things. Um, really like what Cami Granado is doing. I have a lot of respect for Ronnie Francis. And, you know, Ronnie Francis is up there running Seattle. He's got Cami Granado. I know he went out of his way to make space for her up there. That's a name. Um, I don't remember I don't remember the name, but the, the assistant for the Lightning. Uh, uh, Matthew Darsh. Darsh. I yeah. mean, whatever the Lightning are doing. That's really what yeah. Pittsburgh ought to be doing because they've taken what's becoming a somewhat aging core and they keep replenishing around them. I mean, you look at what they did last night. Um, it, man, I, th- I thought that team was done, you know, going into the playoffs and they didn't look very done to me. But again, we'll come back to that. Any of those would be great, but you've got to have that analytics. I mean, that is, if you're not, 
I'm not saying it should be all analytics and it shouldn't be all scouting. If you're not taking advantage of all the tools, you're behind. No, I agree with you on all of that. Um, I don't really have a name. I don't know enough about all of these guys, but I do like, you know, the way the hurricanes have been built. Eric Tulski is a name that I've read quite a bit about so far. And he's kind of a, uh, he was a blogger. I guess he's really into numbers and things and really looks at things objectively. So well, if you're going to do that, why not just go get Jesse, get Jesse Marshall? <laughs> Seriously, right? <laughs> you're, you're not kidding. All right. Well, we wanted to talk a little bit about the playoffs. So we're going to have to just move that into the next segment here because we're going to we're up against a break. So stay with us here as we continue under review sports talk on Connect FM. Smith Timbering and Consultants are experts at tree management and are looking for an energetic, reliable individual to join their team. They currently have an excellent opportunity for a full-time forestry technician to buy Mark and Cruz standing timber. They offer competitive pay with bonus incentives, health incentives, health insurance, and company vehicle. Associate's degree or higher in forestry required. Please email your resume or questions to Wes at smithtimbering.com. That's Wes at smithtimbering.com. My daddy kicking the lawnmower. He thinks that will help the dead battery. His foot's gonna hurt. <laughs> Got a sore foot and a dead battery? Get to Napa Auto Parts right now and get a lawn and garden battery for just $24.99. We've also got marine deep cycle batteries on sale for $89.95 to get that boater camper ready for your fishing and camping trips. My dad always has happy feet when he goes to Napa. Napa Auto Parts. Dubois, Brockway, Brookville, and Climber. Finally, a weekly local sports show that you've always wanted. Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. Get the latest on your favorite local sports teams here. Brought to you by our title sponsor. Next Year Bank is a proud supporter of all area sports in Du Bois. Bank anywhere, anytime, all on your terms with Next Year Bank's online and mobile banking solutions. Helping local families and businesses achieve their financial goals for over a century. Liberty Boulevard, Du Bois, and at nextyearbank.com. Your community bank. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Lows around 41 tonight under partly cloudy skies. Winds out of the east around 5 miles per hour. High temperatures reach up to 82 tomorrow. Mainly sunny skies and calm. Partly cloudy tomorrow night. Lows dip down to about 53. Chance for scattered showers Friday. Chance for scattered storms on Saturday. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 61. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Welcome back. Usually this is our upon further review segment, but we had too much to get through here and we didn't quite get through our uh, what's been going on in the NHL playoffs right now. And Dave, I know you've been chomping at the bit here. You've been watching the games. They're on a little late for me, but uh, I'm catching highlights and things. I can tell you right now, my predictions are looking a little shaky. Uh, the teams that I had advancing to the second round, five out of the eight of them lost game ones. I uh, hope that's not a sign of things to come, at least for my bracket. But uh, what what games have stood out to you so far? Well, um, I get what's interesting to me is that home teams won the first two games. You know, the, the Hurricanes looked like the Hurricanes. They got in a one goal game, and they just look mm. as you know very much at home. And then the Bruins took care of the Panthers, even without Bergeron. It was like, man, that was an impressive game. After that, every single road team won. 
including all four out West. And we talked about how the West looked like it was really tight. You could throw a blanket over the top seven teams. Man, I haven't seen anything that changes my mind. I mean, you know, I thought Edmonton was head and shoulders above the field. The way they went in there on a huge heater, they hadn't, you know, they hadn't been beaten in regulation in like a month almost. And I went to bed in that game, and and they, you know, Drysaddle was dominating, and the, and McDavid was skating circles around him, and it was two nothing. I said, oh, this, you know, I'm tired. This game's over. I got up the next day and I watched, I'd recorded it and I watched and, and they blew it. They blew a two goal lead with eight minutes to go uh, by taking two really dumb penalties, one at the end of regulation and one in overtime. And I still think Edmonton wins that series, but that's a reminder that any team can be beaten if they do dumb things. I mean, they looked a lot like what the Penguins did, you know, they, just not closing out a game the right way. And so I, I don't know, but the, the bigger surprise to me, and I have to say this, I really thought this was Toronto's year. I mm. thought Toronto was just going to mop up the floor lightly, look tired. They looked old. They have every right to. They've been to the finals, I think, three straight years. If any team could hang on, you know, sit on their laurels and say, you know what, we, we've done we've done our bit, it would have been Tampa. And they went out there and pounded the Leafs. I mean, that game, there was one moment in the second period where it looked like it might be a game. And then Tampa scored the fourth goal, and that just totally took the air out of that building. Oh, no doubt. I, I thought maybe we'd see a different Toronto team this year. They just look tight, and and it's almost like they're expecting to lose at this point in the first round. They got terrible, terrible goalie play on yeah. top of everything else. He yeah. was bad, and their backup is completely untested. Well, he's a, he's a rookie. Yeah, yeah. And, and Murray's not available, so. Well, surprise, surprise. Uh, maybe they're trying to win by attrition like the Rangers did, though. I mean, they knocked out three of the Tampa players, including Victor Hedman. Yeah, I didn't see the head. I mean, I was watching the game, but I didn't see the Hedman hit. I, I saw that, you know, when they, they said he wasn't on the bench. And look, it is just, I, I don't want to oversell this. This is one game. We see teams lose game one all the time. Um, but there is no team that needs game two more than, ten, than Toronto. If they lose game two at home, with the history and the pressure on that franchise, I just have a hard time seeing them win four out of five. You know, the, the fans are going to turn, like, they already tomorrow. Did. I yeah. mean, they took, yeah, okay. But if they come out and give up the first goal tomorrow, that's going to be a rough crowd. No and doubt. I, I just think it's going to be tough. And the other thing I was wrong about, and I should have remembered this, was that the, the the Devils, they're young, they're hungry, they're so talented. I picked them to beat the Rangers, and I'm like, yeah, this is a great young team. Mm. And they went out there, and it's the first five minutes I said, oh, this is the 2007 Penguins, who were the young and talented team, and they ran into an experienced Ottawa team, and Ottawa ran them out of the building. Again, it's only one game, but I do think, and, and it made me think about it, every team, almost every team has had to lose before they win. And even, even going back to the Gretzky Oilers, I think, I still think that this Devils team can win this series, but I was wrong that they were going to just go in there and, and mop up the floor with, with New York. New York really knows how to play playoff hockey. And I, I actually picked the Devils in that series too, and I'm kind of regretting that pick at this point, obviously. But again, experience matters. Um, I just thought that the Devils, with all their speed, would maybe outclass the uh, the Rangers. Uh, one win that you and I were talking about, how about the Kraken? A 3-1 to one win over the defending champions. Um, that probably was the biggest surprise to me of all the games that took place, just that the Kraken were able to play that strong against the Avalanche, get good goaltending, pretty good defense. To me, the Avs have been missing something all year. The injuries maybe are catching up to them. They're nowhere near as deep as they were last they, year. They don't look as good. I mean, look, I, 
I'm not the hugest Kadri fan off the ice, but I mean, he was a really, he's a really good player and not having him, uh, who, who's out for the year for them. I think Landeskog, yeah, I, Landeskog. I think he's not coming back and that Kraken team looked fast. They looked hungry. Now, again, I think it's just one game. I, I, I don't want to oversell anything, but man, they looked like they, they belong there. I mean, in in Denver, no less. And this comes back to me saying I have a lot of respect for Ron, Ronnie Francis. I mean, everybody was kind of down on them. Oh, you know, after Vegas, everybody thought an expansion team would come out and win right away. Well, this team had 100 points in their second year. It wasn't that long ago. That was really good, and it <laughs> still is. So even if they don't win this series, I think the future is really bright in Seattle. Is there a game tonight that you're most looking forward to? Oh, let's see here. So we got the Islanders and the, the Oilers Kings. I, I, look, yeah. Even in, even though they lost, and even though he was held without a point, I wa- I watched that game because McDavid is must see TV. They had no answers for him. He split three defenders at one point, and they they took a penalty on it because they had no choice, and and then they scored in the ensuing power play. I just don't. It's possible that the Kings can win that series, but man, him and Drysaddle are just so good. So to me, I'm really interested in seeing what happens with that Minnesota-Dallas game. I picked Dallas to go a long way in this tournament. Um, Minnesota, though, their goaltending is just so good. They could play flurry, but uh, do they go back to um, Gustafson? And I think he made 51 saves the other night. Like, How is he going to handle that goalie rotation? You just well, ride the hot hand? I think he's just going to ride Gustafson until and unless something happens, but... What, and I did want to talk about this, and when we didn't get a chance to, and I know we're almost out of time. Did you see the hit that Dumba put on Pavelski? I did. Um, I I thought the puck was away from him. Way away. Yeah. And, and the league says that was a good – after review, it was a good hit. And, and I'm like, okay, I, he didn't hit – it wasn't shoulder-to-face contact, so I agree with that. But, man, that puck was a long ways away from him. And he went out of his way to make that hit. I just think – if. Somebody else posted on The Athletic that if that's a legal hit, then you need to change the rules. And I agree with that. If, if, if you think that hit's okay, then you need to – we're not on the same page because that was dangerous. Yeah, and it's a shame because, you know, Pavelski's – he doesn't have a whole lot of seasons left here. And, you know, and I think the fall actually probably got him more than the hit did. Well, I think he didn't think it was coming. I mean, the puck's away. He wasn't ready for it. You know, and then he, he, he kind of got – and Dumba skated backwards into him and changed – changed his angle, and I'm sure that Pavelski didn't see it coming. But that's the second time I've seen Pavelski laying on the ice, apparently knocked out. What A couple years ago that happened to him too. So I feel bad for him, but uh, I, that's really all I had to say about that game. I thought Minnesota played really well. Definitely. Um, all right, so we have one last segment to go. Uh, we're going to get lost here. So before you get lost, though, stay with us. We're on Under Review Sports Talk here on Connect FM. Smith Timbering and Consultants are experts at tree management and are looking for an energetic, reliable individual to join their team. They currently have an excellent opportunity for a full-time forestry technician to buy Mark and Cruz standing timber. They offer competitive pay with bonus incentives, health incentives, health insurance, and company vehicle. Associate's degree or higher in forestry required. Please email your resume or questions to Wes at smithtimbering.com. That's Wes at smithtimbering.com. Honey, I'm home. 
Uh, Trappinga. Great. Look at this handcrafted jewelry and designs by Flying L Beadworks. But this book from Claire Kreiner, a local author, and these cool, high-quality vinyl stickers that are dishwasher safe. But they're great for water bottles. Honey. What? Did you go to Dubois Feeds? Where do you think I got all this cool stuff? Oh, the pet food and bird seed is in the trunk. Dubois Feeds, home of From Pet Food and so much more with curbside and drive-through at West Dubois Avenue for 26 years. Dubois Feeds. Shop local by local shipping deals. Hi, I'm Jenny, the manager over at your Big Deals online store. Did you know that when you shop locally, 83 cents of that dollar stays in town? Local businesses are the lifeblood of our community, and that's why you should shop your Big Deals online store. Dozens of gift certificates to local businesses, all in one convenient place. Shop local from the convenience of your home or smartphone. Visit DuboisBigDeals.com. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Partly cloudy tonight with lows around 41. East winds around 5 miles per hour. Highs around 82. Tomorrow, mainly clear. Tomorrow night, lows around 53. Low 80s. Friday, with a chance for scattered showers. Much cooler. Saturday, with highs in the upper 60s and storms. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 60. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. So we're back and we're going to do our Get Lost segment in uh, honor of uh, Dave Herzing, who's not here and it's his favorite segment. But before we do a couple of housekeeping things, first of all, we've had a lot of sponsors come on and we want to thank all of them. And, and certainly there's room for more. So if anybody would like to sponsor our show, please uh, contact the station. Also, a little bit of a programming note. Next week, it looks like Pirate Baseball is going to interfere with our normal slot. As soon as we figure out when we're going to have our show and we will have our show, we will let you know. So that if you want to catch it live, you can do that. Yeah, and I'd like to remind listeners that we have a podcast available that comes out the day after our show. So if you missed any part of the show this tonight or any other nights, you want to go back and listen, hear what our crazy predictions are, you can always download those on the Connect FM app. So Dave, what do you got for Get Lost this week? Well, I got one personal one and, and one NHL one. The personal one is that, uh, you know, this weather, you know, it was 80, then it was 30, then it's now 60, it's going to be 80. I had a game scheduled last night and umpiring softball in 38 degrees with 15 mile an hour winds is terrible. So I'm going to say get lost winner and hope that this time we mean it. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is I get so tired in the NHL of a team that's losing by four or five goals. Who's played like garbage deciding that that's the right time to start a big scrum. And I really wish the league would just take one person off the ice in those cases and they'd stop it. So get lost when you're losing, you start a fight. Yeah, and it sounds like Michael Bunting's going to be out for a while. He's getting lost. I think he's going to be suspended for the for the uh, Leafs. Uh, I just wanted to say get lost the Cardinals. I just hate when the, St- the Pirates lose to them, and that was a rough one on Sunday. How about Will Crow? Mm. Yeah, but you know, I mean, they, they needed a little more offense. But hey, split a split and St. Louis is good. So Absolutely. And I'd like to give a shout-out. Evgeny Malkin donated $710 for every point he scored during the regular season of the Ronald McDonald House. 
His final donation was $58,930, and that was matched by McDonald's for a total of $117,860. Thank you, you Gina. We'll see you next week. Thank you. FM, your only local news radio, 96.7 and 99.7 FM, and AM 1420, WCED Dubois.